I think it's true that just in American Christian conservatism, there seems to be a tendency today amongst Christians, even the Reformed type, uh, to think that a sort of libertarianism is the best way of approaching authority in general and institutions in general. Mm -hmm. And so what this looks like in the church is a lack of concern for the institution. Uh, things are so decentralized. It's just me and my little local congregation that happens to be a part of this thing called the Christian Reformed Church. I don't really pay attention to what goes on. I don't really care what goes on. I think we want to speak into this and say we, we should start and continue where we already are, engaging with the life of our denomination. Welcome to Reformed Podmatics a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. In each episode, we strive to apply Reformed theology to life and ministry in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us for this week's conversation. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And today we are getting into just thinking about our denomination and not just what's going on in our denomination, but speaking to some of the tendencies that we sort of see at play in our denomination, uh, and not just even in our denomination, the Christian Reformed Church, but in the broader Protestant world as we look to uh, just sort of what's going on and some tendencies and observations that we're noticing in the way things are going. And so, yeah, one of the things I think we, Mark and I have been noticing over the last few months and in our involvement with the, with the Christian Reformed Church, which we both have in some, some ways, some, some quite serious involvement with, uh, Mark is on the Council of Delegates. And so they just had their meeting a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. over Zoom. And I've I've been working on my classes ministerial leadership team work, uh, which is our classes uh, committee that works with the ordination of of new candidates for ministry. And so there's a lot that we've been been working on and thinking through. And all of this kind of has gotten Mark and I thinking about the importance of our life as a denomination and uh, the way that we in the Christian Reformed Church tend to view our denomination. And I think we can we can say safely that Mark and I see ourselves on the more, for lack of a better term, conservative side of our denomination. Uh, but I think this is an episode where we want to maybe approach our fellow conservatives and say some, some things that uh, maybe need to be said hmm. about different tendencies we see at play. And I think what we're we can simply say here just at the outset is that the the tendency we see is that there seems to be in some ways uh, a lack of love and concern for the institution of our denomination as though the institution is something that is extraneous and unnecessary in the life of our church and it's something that we should not really care too much about or be overly involved in there seems to be a sort of pessimism, I guess, is what we're going to be getting at in this episode and trying to unpack and speak into. And so we we hope to offer this with a bit of optimism and a, a an encouragement toward biblical love mm-hmm. and fidelity and toward all the virtues that the scriptures encourage us as we think about what it means to be a Christian in a denomination uh, 
with people who may not see everything eye to eye to us, especially now as we live in this contentious moment Mm -hmm. uh, in the life of the Christian Reformed Church in North America. We are taking the 30,000-foot view in this episode, (laughs) and um, there could be a time and a place for debating various decisions that have been made. I mean, I have some limitations, certainly, regarding that being a member of COD and being a a part of the board. That that means that I'm I'm not going to get into specifics of decisions that were made by COD or... um, you know, I, I suppose we can we can look at what synod dis- decides on a more general level sometimes, but this is even more general than um, than just kind of a, a synod. Like we, we had a popular synod roundtable um, discussion that was one of our more yeah popular far more episodes, specific uh, than this will be right. And so th- this isn't really going to be uh, you know certainly we're not going to be <clears throat> taking on any individuals or uh, or decisions that have been made in an episode like this, but. What we want to speak to are the trends towards, you know, if to use a political term, um, more of a um, libertarian mm-hmm. uh, mindset of um, of Christian Reformed churches, where it's it's just sort of the denominations over there, and I just do we do our thing out here in California or mm-hmm. wherever somebody is located, and um, there's a real tendency towards that, and maybe even a favor towards that among those in the more conservative camp. And what we want to encourage is among those who are more engaged in the denominational conversation at any level mm-hmm. is a spirit of, of loyalty and kindness and um, certainly truth-telling, but also seasoned with, with grace and with, with love. So, um, like I said, there's really those two extremes. There's there's those who just kind of do their own thing, mm-hmm. and then there could be those who engage, but um, this is a, a friendly, brotherly reminder to keep love at the forefront of our engagements with the denomination, hmm. because uh, that's a theme, and, and certainly Paul's writing is um, humility, love, compassion, um, being slow to anger like God is, and it's certainly described in the Psalms, and um, you know, truth telling mm-hmm. certainly in um, in all of our interactions with people, it's not as though kindness ever covers up the need to tell the truth about um, a false teaching or an error that's been made. Mm-hmm. But um, is love there for yeah. for our brothers and sisters who are Christian Reformed? Um, hmm. it, it's a pretty basic episode. It's kind of could almost sound like a kindergarten lesson in some ways. Um, at, at our church here at Almond Valley, we've been uh, returning to a lot of the basics. Um, in my evening sermon this past Sunday, I said, quoted, hmm. you know, uh, the title of the book, Everything I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. And that's a little <laughs> bit of what we're getting to in this uh, this episode is just the, the call to love one another. And um, we'll we'll get into some specifics maybe on how how that could look or, or mm-hmm. why the Bible calls us to live that way. Yeah. I, th- I think in some ways, maybe what we're saying is incorrect that there is a tendency amongst conservatives to have a, a lack of concern for the mm. denomination. I mean, can, can you really say that when you look at different uh, sh- strong movements amongst yeah. conservatives in the CRC to, uh, to fight for the life and the vitality of our, of our denomination. In some ways, this is exactly what the abide project is doing is trying to, uh, is trying to seek the health of our denomination and the institution. And so, uh, 
as far as that goes. We we definitely applaud that. But I think it's true that just an American Christian uh, conservatism, there seems to be a tendency today amongst Christians, even the Reformed type, uh, to think that a sort of libertarianism is the best way of approaching authority in general and institutions in general. Mm -hmm. And so what this looks like in the church uh, is a lack of concern for the institution. Uh, Things are so decentralized. It's just me and my little local congregation that happens to be a part of this thing called the Christian Reformed Church. I don't really pay attention to what goes on. I don't really care what goes on. Uh, don't read the the denominational magazine, and I don't pay attention to the emails that come uh, from the sort of headquarters which pastors all get. Uh, I think we want to speak into this and say we, we should start con- and, and continue where we already are, engaging with mm-hmm. the life of our denomination. And I think the reason for this, Mark, as you said, is, is love. We ought to love uh, it's hard to love, I think, we can all admit, when there is there's such a breadth to our denomination, not just theologically, but even uh, geographically. Yeah. It's a large denomination that covers a lot of space. It's hard for a pastor living on the West Coast like us to know and therefore to love a pastor working in Nova Scotia mm-hmm. uh, in Canada. Like mm-hmm. That is such a far distance, and there's... Uh, there's not much knowledge of one another and what what contexts the other person is facing. Uh, this is brought together by things like synod, but uh, it's it's difficult when there's such a stretch uh, across our, our denomination. Just yesterday, I was doing a bit of a deep dive out of curiosity um, for some of, some churches in my hometown uh, and some churches here in, in Ripon and. I just was realizing that there's there's a particular church in my hometown that has connections to a particular seminary, uh, and that seminary being is sort of like the institutional head of what of this group of churches that are non-denominational, uh, but they because of the seminary being the circulatory system and things are still quite small. There's not too many churches that are sort of really planted just by this one seminary. Uh, there seems to be a serious uh, sense of connection and unity amongst the churches that have pastors who've been through this seminary. Uh, The seminary is the master's seminary, if anyone's wondering. And so I thought it was fascinating that because they're so small, they can keep that kind of love and they have that sort of collegiality. Uh, When when one pastor from the master's seminary maybe finds a church – within their own vicinity of a pastor from the same seminary, there's an instant bond. Whereas uh, as a denomination gets bigger and there become hundreds of churches and thousands of members, uh, it then become, becomes hard to sort of keep that unity and that feeling of family. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's in part what the CRC and many other denominations are feeling. And so because of our, our bigness, even though we're not a huge denomination, but we are still quite quite large in comparison to some different movements and uh, sort of uh, families of churches, it's hard to keep that love. And I think what we need to do then is to remember our covenant to one another, remember that we share a common history and, and, and spiritual heritage. And so, therefore, we should approach the pastor in Nova Scotia, as pastors here on the West Coast, uh, with 
a genuine love, mm-hmm. a humility, a, a willingness and a desire to get to know them, yeah. to understand what, what challenges they are facing, uh, a willingness to pray for them. And so part of this is that maybe we need uh, to be more participatory in events of our church. I know mm-hmm. for me, going to Synod was a great experience because I got to see and meet a lot of people. And as someone who never went to Calvin Seminary, that was sort of my first real introduction to the life of the CRC as a denomination. Mm. And and I'm thankful for that. Uh, And so maybe what we need is to increase those sort of opportunities Mm. for this love to even be fostered, Mm. for this connection to happen. Because it's easy for us in our already theologically and politically divided times to uh, stay in our sort of quote-unquote like-minded groups uh, it's it's interesting that pastors will use that so much. And yeah. I don't think it's wrong to hang out with people who are like-minded necessarily, yeah. but we shouldn't always just be craving to be around like-minded believers, yeah. uh, especially when it, we're a part of a denomination where there is differences of opinion. We should sort of seek out and try as much as we can to have those conversations with one another. Oh, there's so much to talk about as, uh, as you're mentioning, um, institutional connection and maybe we could contrast where things are at today with where things have been in previous generations of the Christian Reformed Church. You used to have it that every college age uh, person in the Christian Reformed Church thought very seriously if not went to Calvin. Yep, yep. And so, um, the circulatory system as Paul Vanderclay calls it. Right. My, my dad, my, both my parents went to Calvin yeah. Uh, Calvin College. My yeah. dad graduated from there. My mom um, yeah. went for a while and, and um, came home. Uh, she wasn't from a very wealthy family, and so college was not something that they could afford. And so um, it used to be the case that, you know, my, my wife, she's from northern British Columbia, and those in my parents' generation who went to college went to Calvin. Yeah. Which is pretty amazing, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that, cross-pollination just happening there Um, even when I meet someone who's of my parents generation right now and they say you know we start talking my wife's Canadian oh where's she from she's from Terrace it's not far from Smithers British Columbia oh yeah sure I one of my uh, sweet mates was from Smithers Hmm. you know Smithers is a tiny town of 6,000 people in northern British Columbia but there's a big CRC church there (laughs) and so probably half the town or more oh that really shows (laughs) what the connection used to be and and from that connection that that hub that was kelvin Hmm. um came a lot of denominational loyalty because i i um you you interact with other you go to a church when you're in grand rapids and Mm -hmm. um that pastor ends up becoming your pastor out in washington state or texas or Mm -hmm. colorado and um and there's just all of this connection that's happening um similarly when even I was in high school. There was something called the SWIM program. Oh, and yeah. So SWIM I've students, still heard about SWIM. students working in missions. And the um, it, it changed the title, I think, over time. But but even there was really cool because we at our, our little church in Plainfield, Illinois, had a SWIM team. Mm-hmm. There was a girl from PEI, from Prince Edward Island. Hmm. There was two girls from Alberta. Um, and there was a girl from Ontario. And so it was four girls who came to our church to lead vacation Bible school and so forth. And, Mm. and then the next summer was another batch of 
Christian Reformed kids from all over Canada and the United States. Yeah. I went on the swim uh, program, and that's where I met my wife, who was from British Columbia. And on yeah. our team was a guy from Bradenton, Florida, big CRC church there, oh. Ontario, two girls from Terrace, British Columbia, and me from Chicago. And so you, yeah. you even see there that um, those connections were happening, but that's just obviously it's not happening and, and maybe it was hmm. was for good reason that the swim program stopped um perhaps it was from lack of interest but with that this hmm. is our last episode with that ceasing of that ministry um there's also a uh, a denominational connectivity cost yeah that that was was paid um and i could understand people at the denominational ministries who are trying to start things like that and what they're running up against i'm sure are the same things we're running up yeah, against because the, the toothpaste church. is out of the tube it's hard yeah. to sort of revamp the, that kind of thing well and we could just imagine a hypothetical family at see every crc church throughout the united states and canada where um whereas even in when i was in high school sports were just not what they i loved sports but yeah it, it wasn't the club thing that it is now mm-hmm. and so we, we can imagine families where grandpa and grandma were christian reformed mom and dad were christian reformed now hmm. um students growing up getting more and more involved with um extracurricular things sports then that just it it really pushes um extra denominational things to the to the side mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um and so those connections just don't happen as much from my understanding is the serve serve used to be a very big deal in the crc where yeah. groups from other churches would come to a mm-hmm. church and i don't know where that's at now our town of ripon doesn't host serve anymore yeah. And, um, yeah and so all of those um changes again could have been made for very good reasons will have an effect on mm the connectivity of the denomination and loyalty kind of winnows away by each generation because of it. Yeah. I think that there's so many other options for things in terms of service projects or camps that you can go to or conferences. Uh, It's, it, it has broken down some of those uh, opportunities uh, and it has created, created many difficulties. And so I can sympathize with, as you said, with those, with those who, uh, who are at the denomination who work for our denomination, they probably struggle with these challenges. Uh, and so maybe it's a, even a word for us, Mark, to consider <laughs> trying to be involved as a yeah. church with, with these kinds of means and places where we can uh, grow in our love for, for other Christians uh, in our denomination. One thing I think about that uh, I think is maybe really important for some listeners who like me have come into the Christian reformed church from the outside, or maybe you're in a different, different church, different denomination. Uh, but you've come in as an outsider who doesn't share maybe, uh, the, the, the sort of, uh, same life trajectory mm-hmm. as those in your denomination. Maybe you weren't a sort of cradle OPC or a cradle <laughs> URC or a cradle Southern uh, Baptist, Southern Baptist or whatever yep. it is, wherever denomination you're in. And so you've had to adjust. You're sort of the denominational immigrant. Uh, I think we often think about uh, as immigrants, if you're an immigrant out there like me to a new denomination, you often think about how does this denomination welcome me Hmm. and what ways are they hospitable towards me? Uh, But 
any immigrant will know that you have to also be hospitable in the reverse way as well. You have to be willing to learn, willing to try to be curious and get to know the denomination. It's not just the denomination accommodating you. There's also an accommodating that has to happen in reverse. It's the same thing when someone comes into a new congregation. Yeah. If you walk into a new congregation, a lot of people think, well, did they greet me at the door? Did, some, did somebody come and talk to me afterwards? Did, did they get to know me? And if they didn't, well, that was a very unwelcoming church. Well, that, that may be true, uh, but there's also a sense in which we need to be willing to explore a new church and maybe put ourselves out there and mm-hmm. and say hello to someone, even as a new person, uh, to kind of grow in that virtue. And I think how this makes sense here, or how this connects to our, our conversation, is that uh, we need to be willing to lo- learn to love our denomination. There's a lot of people like me in, in the conservative side of things that have come into our denomination, uh, but because we don't share that sort of denominational history mm. or that personal history with our denomination, we don't feel that we need to love it too much. Mm. We only need to love it insofar as it fits with our own beliefs and and ideas for the local church and yeah or we just need to know our local church i don't really care about the denomination that is a that's not a good way of of looking at things that's not a good way of approaching uh, ministry in the crc especially if you're a pastor out there like me who has come in from the outside Uh, you should be trying to throw yourself into the crc the life of the crc going to classes trying to meet other pastors uh trying to mm-hmm. to help out with with denominational life so that you can grow in your love giving yourself those opportunities to uh to have those kinds of connections i can remember my years in seminary moving across the country and not knowing a single person uh i really wanted people to welcome me and i realized pretty quickly that i need to also be welcome a bull <laughs> i need to <laughs> sure. i need to say yes when people ask me to come to different get togethers that I didn't really want to as an introvert. There was a lot of things I got invited to in the first few weeks of seminary that I didn't want to do, but I knew that I needed to because I needed to make connections. I had to sort of, uh, you know, I had to take those opportunities and not be, uh, so sort of isolating of myself. And I think we need to do that with, with our denomination as well. We need to come in and learn to appreciate it. We need to know know the history, yeah. know the theology, know the people, know the stories. And, you know, for me right now, I think I've mentioned it in the last couple of weeks, I'm doing a class at our church on the history of the Christian Reformed Church. And it would be easy for me to study just the theological history and the theological debates. And those are extremely important uh, especially as we are a church of the off-skiting, the, the secession in 1834, as I've learned all about now. But there's also all kinds of stories. And so it's been interesting reading books that just tell the stories of the people of the CRC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget which book it was that I was reading the other day, which tells the story of a farmer, a CRC farmer in the 1920s during the Depression who kept having his chickens stolen. And so he, had, he was told to wait outside and have his gun ready. <laughs> and how actually, from what I read, sounds like he actually... Uh, killed the thief with his shotgun he didn't know it because it was dark and he he heard footsteps and he shot his shotgun but this was when it was life or death having a few chickens and there was so such a such a shortage of food 
that wow. he had to resort to these kinds of we would think crazy uh, uh, procedures or take these crazy crazy measures to protect his family. It's easy for uh, us to say it's crazy because our fridges yeah. are full. But yeah, exactly, uh, for him, exactly. It was life or death. Yeah. But reading those kinds of stories uh, as sort of you know maybe you would say unimportant as they are to the life of the denomination just familiarizing yourself with the people of the denomination is really important feeling that sort of personal connection is something we need to foster and steward yeah along with that um if we want to even go a higher level we could think about in this episode how to respond to trends and and things that that we might struggle with in Hmm. in any authority um, obviously, the denomination has a certain authority over a local church, and um, I know that according to our polity, the the authority belongs to the local church council, but we are accountable to the classis, yeah. that's the regional gathering of churches. For us, it's about 25 churches in California, um, and we are accountable to the denomination. And so when something happens that uh, that we disagree with or we struggle with or find to be uh, you know, we're convinced that it's unbiblical. How do we react? Um, that's a, a big question for all Christians yeah. to be asking. You mentioned before, in in the landscape of conservative American Protestantism, there's a real reactiveness right now hmm. to um, cultural trends, culture war topics. Yeah. Um, no matter, I mean, to the government itself, there can be a real reactiveness. We saw a lot mm-hmm. of that during the pandemic. Um, to certain corporations, there can be a, a real sort of reactionary um, zeitgeist mm-hmm. right now among American evangelicals. And I guess I just, we, we want to caution against being overly reactive. We want to say, love the truth, hold to the truth. Yeah. Um, to love is to rejoice in the truth. And so that is obviously essential but at the same time, to approach people in a spirit of love instead of in that spirit of looking for a gotcha or mm-hmm. uh, trying to be Ben Shapiro who's owning the libs, you know, <laughs> yeah. like um, that when, when we're filling our minds with Ben Shapiro and Michael Knowles and Rush Limbaugh, you know, who's passed away but still has kind of a philosophical hold, I think, mm-hmm. on a lot of conservative people, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that, that's not the voice we need. Um, that's going to encourage us towards love for for other people. I'd I'd give the example. I'm I my family loves Disney. We grew up watching Disney movies. There was always a Disney VHS tape in our VCR growing up, and I've probably seen The Little Mermaid because of my sister a hundred times. And we grew up going to Disney World a lot as a family because I grew up in Chicago. We drive there, and some mm-hmm. of my greatest childhood memories are of Disney World. And so, a lot of people ask me what do you think now of disney i mean it's woke yeah, it's it's yeah. way out there and they're right in a lot of ways it's mm-hmm. a, a very aggressively progressive um i would say not truly progressive but in the political <laughs> sense um uh, a liberal company yeah. and so what do you do with that well do i hate disney now you know that's almost what people are asking yeah. me to to take a their enemies right there it's like oh i hate disney now it's like mm-hmm. no obviously they're people made in the image of God and and so I, I should be careful in how I talk about mm-hmm. Disney or um, you know I'm politically a conservative person how I train my children to talk about Joe Biden mm-hmm. and to be respectful of the president 
Um, all of this is related to yeah. um, the catechism's teaching on the fifth commandment, which is that that we we have respect for authority. We're patient with them and their failings, mm-hmm. says um, the the Heidelberg Catechism on the fifth commandment. Um, That's obviously, so well worded. Patient with them and their failings. Yeah, and so I need for my children to be patient with me and my failings. Yeah, I personally need to be patient with. Govern, governmental authorities or um, you know mm-hmm. uh, you know denominational things that I might not uh, totally agree with need to approach that with a sense of kindness love and truth telling mm-hmm. um, and so but that's that's really at the heart of where we want to get to in this episode is is not not to give in to the overly reactionary um, and honestly prideful Mm-hmm. Um, responses that a lot of people give to some of the things that we see happening. Yeah, yeah. I think not being over overly reactionary, learning Christian virtues and actually applying them. I, I think that sometimes people get the sense that, uh, especially conservatives, get the sense that we can we get a free pass on living with Christian virtue uh, when it comes to things where in which we feel very morally justified to uh, react in a way that is overly reacting or uh, is harsh uh, harsh yeah. and uh, hard-nosed and we feel justified in our anger we'll think of Jesus overturning the tables in the temple mm-hmm. uh, that, that text often comes to mind uh, we feel like we have holy righteous anger and that, that justifies maybe our sort of flippant approach to things uh and i i don't think it does i I think we should be slow to anger as the scriptures repeatedly tell us Uh, we should be we should be long-suffering we should be uh, seeking the best of our denomination Uh, that's what love means is to is to will the good of the other and so i think when that comes to our denomination we should we should will the good of it and that doesn't mean that we just quickly or casually uh, write people off, uh, respond in vitriolic ways, which is really common to do uh, on the internet these days when we are looking at somebody through a screen, not not yeah. face-to-face. Uh, we need to be willing to think, what would I say to this person in person? Yeah. How would I approach this in person? Uh, that should be a thought that comes across our minds because, yeah. I just get really practical with that. If we're typing something and it has all caps in sentences or <laughs> a lot of exclamation marks or, you know, the the question that's that's finished with four question marks at the end of the question. It's like yeah. do not do that, yeah. people. Yeah. Do not treat one another that way. <laughs> yeah. Like um That's a great that, point. We need to like if if a conversation online is getting to that point, mm-hmm. that conversation needs to happen in person. Yeah, yeah, and and so obviously maybe use Zoom if you need to right. to talk with someone. Uh, yeah, that's a great point. And, and so, like again, just um, be aware. I guess we we, we call our our fellow um, traditional um, ministers and members of the Christian Reformed Church. Be aware of the perception. Don't be, you know, beholden to. Mm-hmm. Uh, always obsess about how we're being evaluated and like not not to be controlled by how people might be perceiving us but yeah, at the yeah. same time to be aware that mm-hmm. um 
if if I know that this conversation is going to go in this direction, I yeah. need to give maybe some caveats towards. Yeah. I so let's give a very specific example. If we're talking about the trans issue, hmm. um, which is 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 very sad that people are confused about who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, we start a conversation, I hope always, out of love for my neighbor. I am against puberty blockers and mm-hmm. surgeries for people and like gender reassignment surgeries and so forth out of love yeah. for our neighbors. This isn't just the, the culture war issue that we're going to put 10 exclamation marks behind and mm-hmm. type in all caps and boys are boys and girls are girls. It's like, let's be aware of how yeah. the conversation is happening among secular conservatives and secular progressives mm-hmm. and not fall into the traps that either are kind of setting for us rhetorically speaking you might say so so on that that trans issue would be a good one out of love out of mm-hmm. absolute love for our neighbors we do not want people to be confused about this and so we mm-hmm. do believe if you're you're born a man you will you should be a mm-hmm. man and embrace that if you're born a woman should be a woman embrace that yeah um it, it's it's about tone and um, care and you have to be explicit I think more often in saying this is about love mm-hmm. so we tell the truth out of love yeah. um, because let's be aware and let's yeah, recognize the, the tone that's actually not what matters. people are, are, are hearing very yeah. often from maybe even the evangelical community. absolutely how we have those conversations matters just as much as what we say I think we often think because we tend to see Christianity these days, especially amongst conservatives, as primarily a, a doctrinal thing. And as long as we get the right doctrine, it doesn't mm. matter how we go about this conversation with people. Uh, God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, people will say. Right. Like, well, Please stop with that. Yeah, like- that sort of thing is, is just, it's ridiculous and it's unhelpful and it's actually hurting your argument more than you think. And it's unreformed. So like yeah. to be reformed is to develop a, a good theology, a full orbed theology. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say to be reformed is to kind of shy away from those gotcha slogans. Yeah. Like the, in the history of the reformed church, including the Christian reformed church, there, there hasn't really been a lot of that, mm-hmm. that, um, you know, desire to, just develop a, a nice little phrase that actually yeah could, so be, a, could be misunderstood misinterpreted could kind of be more of a gotcha phrase mm-hmm. um bovink you know i mean there's a reason the four volumes of the church dog or the reform dogmatics are so long mm-hmm. is because he wants to develop a theology of yeah of each of these different things that he's he's um addressing and and so Reform the reformed faith is not super conducive to Twitter. Yeah, you know, yeah, in that way, point. it's like it just just the kind of you know Tim Keller used yeah. Twitter quite wisely. I would say would be an example of hmm. of that. So it's not an absolute principle, but at the same time, um, how how could we communicate love and truth needs to be on the forefront of say the minds of a conservative Christian reform person, not so much the reactionary stuff that you might see on Twitter or hear yeah. in a conversation with somebody. Yeah, I, I think we should not wield truth uh, 
in with the with the desire of getting a mic drop moment yeah uh we shouldn't be just wanting to drop the mic on people and sound off once and for all win the argument and make them feel like they've they've been beaten uh what we need to do is use truth and wield it to to lift people up and to love them and to serve them and that doesn't mean that we can go with these mic drop statements uh but that means yeah. we should actually be trying to articulate things always with an eye toward loving that person and and seeing them uh, seeing them helped, seeing them blessed and benefited by by our conversation. Uh, yeah, to speak the so truth that, in a way that somebody will hopefully hear it best. Yeah, right. and does and that is that wishy washy? Is that yeah. winsome? Which everybody yeah. hates that word now. Uh, I. I guess you could say that that way but i think you would be you'd be absolutely wrong uh i think we we should uphold the idea of being winsome being tactful uh being careful uh, because how we say things matters uh, if we are christians we bear the name of christ so how we live uh matters and that that even pertains to these kinds of conversations and the ways we get into dialogues with with people uh we should be always living under the authority of the scriptures, yeah. listening to how the scriptures teach us how to even have these conversations. That doesn't mean we can't use strong language, man. Yeah. The new Testament is full of strong yeah. language about false teaching uh, and about the sort of extent in which we need to go in order to, to resolve uh, issues of false teaching. When there are false teachers, yeah. there's, we need to get involved. We have, we must stand up. We must say things. But even as we do that, we should not write off the false teachers. We should be wanting to bring them to repentance through, through truth and grace. And engaging people. Yeah, yeah. engaging them and always trying to bring light to the situation. Uh, and I, I think that is really important. So how we go about these, these conversations yeah. is extremely uh, important and significant. Oh, one of the last... Um points that I would make is I think that some in the, the conservative camp are, are getting discouraged by the suffering of being in a denomination with some false teachers. Yeah. And so um, maybe yeah. we could just name that as a truth because it is the truth about yeah. the Christian Reformed Church is that there yeah. are some false teachers who uh, have broken the, the covenant that they've made to defend and uphold and promote the confessions of our church. And, yeah. and so that is discouraging. That's uh, that can wear on people, mm-hmm. and so um, throughout this whole episode, don't hear us saying it's no big deal. Okay, um, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, as they say in the Wizard of Oz. Um, that that's not uh, that's yeah. not what we're saying here. We we do want to say there are some false teachers in the Christian Reformed Church, and because of the um, the recognition of that, I think that some people become impatient. Hmm. And that impatience um, could be born out of kind of a revulsion to suffer for the sake of the church. And um, we are called towards long suffering. Hmm. And we need people to correct us, Zach and I do. Yeah. And we can help each other with that, hopefully. And um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so um, if I make a statement in a sermon that someone is convinced is against something in the Heidelberg Catechism or from hmm. the book of John or, or something, I would hope that they would come to me in a spirit of love and here's how I heard this and 
you know, is this what you meant? And it, if it is, I think that you've got to retract that. It, it wasn't what it should have been. And just yeah. coming with a spirit of, um, of, of helpfulness and, mm-hmm. and kindness, but still saying the truth about, yeah. about what has happened. And so, um, there's an amount of suffering we could say in approaching somebody in that way, hmm. because it, it does go against our, um, go with the flow. Yeah. Kind just of kind of like, we want people to like us. We want yeah. everyone to get along. And so it's hard to be that person who would go to someone and say, this is, this was wrong. You know, what was said or what was written. And so because of that tension hmm. and that need to address false teaching, um, it could be easier. It could, could seem easier just to, to leave the denomination or yeah. to, to check out from the denomination, not pay as much attention. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the Apostle Paul's approach to the Corinthian church? Yeah, when there's false teaching. Right. Is that the Apostle Paul's approach to the Galatian churches? No, he, he doesn't give up on those yeah. those churches because of their errors. He he writes pleading with the the Galatian churches to to return to the true gospel, to to live with with purity before the Lord, and and same for the Corinthian churches as well. And so, um, um, you know, I guess this is just a call to engage, yeah, and uh, and and to not retract. Um, when when Jesus teaches about judge not lest ye be judged, um, I, I believe that what he's getting at there is that the judge stands far off and just mm-hmm. watches things. Mm-hmm. Um, fall apart or could almost maybe delight in that. Yeah. Um, but what God desires for us is to be Christians who would go into the fray. Yeah. Um, like Christ came into a sinful world for our sake is to go into the, the, the relationship with that person who is mm-hmm. teaching what is say against biblical sexual ethics. Um, yeah. Not with the spirit of I'm going to get you, but with mm-hmm. the spirit of, Man, I want to help you because I, if I was in this situation, I would hope that somebody would help me in this way. Yeah, I, I th- something that I think about as you've said all of that <clears throat> is, as you mentioned as well, Paul re- re- recognizes and realizes that there are false teachers in the church. Yeah. This is this is the church in its earliest stages. Uh, it was a united church, as united as it could have been, given the difficult circumstances that it faced. But it was united, definitely spiritually. Uh, and with the apostles even still living, that was yeah. united still institutionally. It was, and just because there were false teachers wasn't a sign that this was somehow a false church. Yeah. And even in the earliest centuries of the Christian church, there were lots of false teachers. There were times where it looked like the false teachers were not only in the ascendancy, but were going to take it over. This is sure. This is the story of Athanasius and his life, where yeah. he spent the majority of, of his life uh, sort of fighting what seemed like an uphill battle for him for the orthodoxy of Christ being two natures in one person, uh, being both fully God and fully man, uh, fighting against the Arians who disagreed with this. Uh, did Athanasius think, you know, I'm just going to take, my, my, take my take my toys out of the <laughs> sandbox, I'm going to go start my own sandbox and do my own thing? No, he did not. Uh, he remained, he fought, he continued on. I think one of the great problems with conservative Protestantism over the past several hundred years has been the the willingness to fracture uh, so easily, to think, oh, things have gotten so bad, what is needed is a clean refresh, a clean restart. Uh, and this isn't to say that uh, 
all denominations are just completely evil uh, hmm. because they've, they've separated from a previous body. We mm-hmm. in the CRC have that same story. Uh, but I think we, we need to recognize that tendency and yeah. really fight against it. It hasn't served the church well, I think, in the long run. It may seem easier it, 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 because I think it's kind of a, a the grass is greener on the other side. A lot of pastors in the middle of the fray think it would be so much easier if we stopped having to have these conversations about X, Y, and Z so that we could all be like-minded and be huddled up in our own little corner together. Uh, I, I think being a pastor requires this, these kinds mm-hmm. of long-suffering moments and seasons of ministry where, yeah, we, we're going to live together because we've, we've covenanted together and God has called us together and we're not, we're not going anywhere. And I think to, to, de- to go somewhere, to leave elsewhere is to sort of seed the whole thing to, to those who you, you have serious problems with. It's not to solve the problem in any real meaningful way. And so I think, uh, we stand for objective truth, but why do we keep fracturing into these, into these bodies that continue to sort of call into question the objectivity of the Christian faith? Mm-hmm. Uh, when there's so many different Christian bodies now, I think that that is uh, one of the great weaknesses of of Christian the Christian faith in the past 500 years is that we have done this, uh, and so. Yeah. There's a call to stand firm. There's a call to keep seeking the truth, uh, keep praying for oneness and unity, uh, because that's a doctrinal thing, too. (laughs) We shouldn't disregard the oneness of the body of Christ. It's something we confess in the creed uh, and in our confessions and catechisms. We should seek that diligently in our life and not be so quick to split and to leave and go a different direction. Yeah, that's uh, a story comes to mind, and that will be my last word is, um, you know, I, I... really enjoy watching street debates. And so there's a great channel called Abolitionists Rising where uh, a good man named Russell who is working towards the abolition of abortion in America talks with people on college campuses or um, you know, in, uh, at Capitol Hill and talks with politicians and so forth. And what I've noticed is um, he does, he's not the one who leaves the conversation. Hmm. Um, and... I think that that's true to uh, his his nature in having a conversation. It is to sit, to speak the truth in love mm. with with biblical authority mm. behind him, um, but to 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 say the truth, to call people out for uh, logical fallacies and so forth. But what what happens in in those conversations is people just get upset and they they walk away. Mm. They're done with him. And, and he's not the one who leaves. And, you know, as, as I think about having those kinds of conversations, and I've had some of those conversations with family members who are not believers, and uh, I'll, I'll be in it for four or five hours if, if somebody wants to stick with it. Because mm. what, what motivates me is truth and love. Yeah. And, and so, hey, there's, there's enough of that in Christ to fuel a lifetime of conversations. and. Yeah. And yeah. a, a lifetime of interactions in the church and interactions mm-hmm. with people, and so that's not going to run out. So why would I walk away from a conversation? Yeah. It's it's really often that person who is more motivated by a desire for power, who mm-hmm. would see in a conversation, well, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to win this, and so I'm out. Mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to get the power that I want out of this conversation, and so I'm going to leave the conversation. Um, that's yeah. what so often happens in those abortion debates on college campuses. They're mm-hmm. not going to get him. Mm-hmm. He's he's got the truth, mm-hmm. and he's got love uh, of Christ in his heart, and he's he's just going to talk with them until he until they yeah. break through, you know, and and yeah. and he's not walking away. Um, and so I, I guess I would just encourage my conservative, traditional, whatever you want to call us, <laughs> brothers and sisters in the Christian Reformed Church to to hold on and to stay and to be like, you know, that, that debater on the college campus because we have the compassion of Christ and the, the truth of Christ fueling us to do ministry. And, hmm. um, and yeah. so we don't need to walk away. Yeah. We don't need to run away um, yeah. because uh, it, it's going to be a good ministry and it will include some suffering to be... Uh, confronting some of the very dangerous and and uh falsehoods and 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 problems in the even in the christian reformed church Hmm. but to do so in love uh i think is is our calling yeah what what a great word to end on i think we have a patient christ who is long suffering with us who has loved us and he gives us that same sort of patience for others Uh, we need only to rely on him and to be prayerful and to be dependent upon him as we seek the uh, the health of our denomination, the Christian Reformed Church. So we thank you all for listening to this week's episode. We look forward very much to being with you again in the weeks to come. Until then, grace and peace. Peace.